0: Well, this is a year where the Lord has directed us as a church to pursue Him passionately in prayer. I'm calling it the year to draw near to God. Praying both individually and also together and in groups. Of course, prayer is a great privilege, right? A privilege that God has given to us that was purchased for us by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ open the way for us to draw near to God truth is we really don't need more plans but we do need more of God's power truth is we really don't need more programs in this church but we do need more of God's presence and God's presence and God's power are felt and manifested and unleashed through prayer did you know that E.M. Bound said The church is looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men, men and women of prayer, and I believe that. My desire is that more new lifers would be praying more often, more fervently, with more faith in their prayers than ever before, and as a result, we would see more of God's powerful activity in our lives, in our families, in our community, in our workplace, and in this world. Now, we've been seeing that biblical prayer has a variety of elements to it. Prayer is not just giving thanks for our food at mealtime. Prayer is not just saying, now I lay me down to sleep at bedtime. Prayer is not just begging God to get us out of the jam that we got ourselves into. It's Not just any of those things. Biblical praying is multidimensional. It has a lot of elements. We saw that when we studied the Lord's Prayer a few weeks ago. Do you remember that? And so prayer is worship and praise. And prayer is submission to the will of God. And prayer does include confessing our sins, as we talked about last weekend. And prayer does involve giving thanks to God and interceding for other people. And yes, there's a militant side of praying, a a warfare type of prayer. And yes, prayer is an outlet for expressing passion Spiritual passion to the the Lord. Prayer is a lot of things. But without a doubt, a primary aspect of prayer, biblical prayer, is asking. Asking. God's children asking their Father to grant them the desires of their heart. Yes, prayer is asking God for things. As we get ready to enter this season of what I hope will be intensified prayer in all of our lives this week, I want us to explore this aspect of drawing near to God so we can put it into practice on a deeper level. Asking your Heavenly Father to give you good gifts is a good thing. It needs to be a vital part of your prayer life. This element of prayer was taught by Jesus. It was encouraged by Jesus. It was expected by Jesus. After all, Jesus paid the price, right, to open the way for us to come and ask our father for things and so he wants us to seize the opportunity that he has provided for us so in your bible go to luke 11 or on your bible app go to luke 11 if you will this may be the primary passage on prayer in the gospels and here we're going to see several things we're going to see the priority of prayer the pattern for our praying We're going to see a parable that Jesus taught about prayer, and then we're going to look at a promise that he gave regarding prayer. Those four things. So let's begin, and if you haven't taken your study guide out yet, you can do that. Let's begin with the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. Luke 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And the first thing I want us to see tonight is that prayer was a priority with Jesus. Prayer was a priority with Jesus as now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And of course, this was not the only time that Jesus prayed. In Luke's gospel alone, we see Jesus praying on a number of occasions. He was praying just before he was baptized. We see Jesus praying all night before choosing his 12 disciples We see him praying before he confronted the crowds with his true identity. We see Jesus praying one day when he took his three closest friends, Peter, James, and John, up high onto a mountaintop together to pray. He prayed at the Passover meal. He prayed, it says, for Peter's faith not to fail in his time of testing. We see Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. In fact, in Luke 5, 16, it says, Jesus often withdrew to desolate places to pray. I want you to understand tonight that with Jesus Christ, prayer was a lifestyle. Warren Wiersbe wrote this, Jesus was a man of prayer. There are at least 10 references to the prayer life of Jesus in Luke. Now, Jesus was God manifest in human flesh, yet he prayed. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and filled with the Spirit, yet he prayed. He lived a sinless life, and he was always obedient to the Father's will, yet he had to pray. He had the power to perform miracles, yet he needed to pray. If Jesus had all of this in his favor, and yet he had to pray, how much more do you and I need to pray? Good point. Good point. As in every aspect of life, Jesus is our example. In this area as well. Even though he was God the Son. I mean, he was God. He made a habit of seeking out quiet spots to go and talk to his Father. Especially if he had a very busy day ahead. He made a priority of it. Communing with his Father in heaven was a priority for your Lord. Did you know that? It follows then, number two, that prayer is to be a priority for his followers. For Jesus followers as well and we see that here because it says when he had finished when Jesus had finished praying one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray teach us to pray now we all know that Jesus was a fantastic teacher we all understand that that Jesus miracles were awesome his preaching was powerful Jesus' ministry of equipping his disciples was effective. He was a great evangelist. And I'm sure that Jesus' disciples were impressed with every aspect of his ministry. But we have no record of his disciples ever saying to him, Lord, teach us to preach. Or Lord, teach us to perform miracles like you do. Or teach us to evangelize like you do. The thing that they saw in Jesus' life that they most wanted for themselves was his prayer life. Think about it after they watched and heard Jesus pray, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I think what they were saying is, teach us to pray like that. Like you just prayed. We want to talk to God. We want to connect with God like you do. Teach us to pray. I believe that to really be a devoted follower of Jesus is to be becoming a person of prayer. I don't think there are any exceptions. Not that I know of. The book of Luke is full of references to Jesus praying, but did you know that the book of Acts is filled with references to Jesus' followers praying? Time and time and time again. Followers of Jesus learn to pray. A lot. It's that simple. You see, prayer needs to be a priority in your life, not just because we've called this the year for drawing near to God, not just because Pastor Steve said so, And not just because we're entering a week of prayer and fasting. Prayer needs to be a priority in your life because at its core, the Christian life is a relationship with God. And relationships require talking, communication. And that's what prayer is, communicating with our Father in heaven. Prayer is to be for us not an afterthought, not something we do after we've exhausted every other option, every other possibility. Prayer is to be a a priority. First things first, as they say. That's what it was with Jesus, and that's what it should be with us. Prayer is to be a priority. Now notice, second, the pattern for prayer. Because the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray And how did Jesus respond? Well, he gave them a version of what we know as the Lord's Prayer. He said to them, verse 2, When you pray, say, Father, Father. Don't miss that. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us lead us not into temptation that sounds a lot like the lord's prayer it's a different version than the one we looked at a few weeks ago in the book of matthew this version's a bit shorter And maybe you say well why are there two versions well that's simple jesus taught about this on more than one occasion he taught it on multiple occasions And each time he did, he would modify it slightly to fit whatever purpose he had for that particular situation or that particular occasion. We've already mined the depths of of this prayer. What I want you to see today is really only one thing, and that's this. It's all about asking. Did you notice that? Making requests. It's all about petitioning God. Hallow your name, Lord. Your kingdom come, give us daily bread, forgive us, lead us not into temptation. All of those are what? Requests. Petitions. And that reinforces the primary truth that I'm trying to get across tonight, and that is that praying is asking. Praying is asking. Asking. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he instructed them to offer up petitions to God. Ask him for things. It's really kind of astounding when when you see it to discover how often Jesus taught his disciples to ask God for things in prayer. Let me just read some of his statements. Speaking to his disciples, John 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you, talking to his disciples, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Mark eleven twenty four. 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. John 16, 24, until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Listen, prayer is not only asking, but prayer is asking. Have you ever noticed in the Bible that when people called out to Jesus, they almost always asked him for something? Think about it. Lord, save me. Have mercy on me. Lord, I want to see you again. Help my son. Heal my son. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Praying is asking. Yes, it is asking. But note this second, prayer is asking that is aligned with the will of God. It's asking that is aligned with God's will. You probably felt it when I was reading those prayer promises. There's a condition that Jesus applied to our asking, isn't there? He said, ask in my name. He said, ask believing in faith. He said, if my words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish. And so this also is one of the main insights from the Lord's prayer. Getting our, our hearts in sync with the heart of God needs to come before asking Him for things. So the way I like to say it is alignment precedes asking. Alignment precedes asking because That's when his burdens become our burdens. That's why the Lord's Prayer starts out by calling out for God's name to be hallowed, right? God's kingdom to come. God's will to be done. Those first three petitions serve to bring our hearts into alignment with what is most important to God. And once we've embraced that, then we're ready to petition him for what we need. Provision forgiveness, direction, protection. But now, with the right motives, with the right heart, alignment, alignment with the heart of God precedes asking. That's what Jesus was saying. That's what asking in his name means. It means asking for things that he would ask for and with his authority. You say, okay, but, but, I'm familiar with the Lord's Prayer, but I'm not sure what to ask for, what else to ask for beyond those things that's in alignment with God's will. Well, let let me share a principle with you. You can think about it like this. If it would be good for you to have, then it would be good for you to ask God for. Simple, right? If it would be a good thing for you to have, a thing that that a good dad, a good father would likely give, then it's okay to ask for it. I think many of us are going to get to heaven one day only to find out there was so much more that God wanted to give us if only we had asked. That's what his brother said. You have not because you ask not. For me, I'd, I'd rather ask for it and have God not give it to me because he knows it wouldn't be for good for me to have than to not get it just because I never asked. I don't want to walk through the, 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 the warehouse of heaven one day and see all these shelves lined with things. It's like, yeah, I had those for you, just never asked. Oh, man, I don't want that to happen. Listen, if you really want something from God and you really believe it would be something that a good father would give to his child, then I say ask. I mean if your motives are selfish or if, or if it really would not be a good thing for you in his estimation or if it's not the right timing, I believe a good father is going to make those things apparent to you as you continue praying and asking. He's a good father. So I say, just go ahead and ask. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And so he gave them the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for their praying, for their asking. Then he told a story. He gave them a parable, which contained some rich truth, a parable of prayer. It went like this. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight? And say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he, this is the neighbor friend, will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Verse eight, Jesus said, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now this is interesting. Jesus concocts this hypothetical scenario to teach some truths about prayer, which he did in another place in Luke 18. And both of these stories about prayer have a little twist at the end. And as I read through this, several truths about prayer stood out. I I think these are the things Jesus wanted to convey First, isn't it obvious through this story that, that prayer involves asking God to meet people's needs? I think this is a key element of drawing near to God. When Jesus told a story about prayer, it was about a man going over and asking his neighbor for something that would meet a need. I think the point's pretty obvious. Just like this man asked his neighbor for some bread in order to feed his Unannounced house guest, so we can go to God and ask Him to meet people's needs too. I do that all the time. And I know many of you do that as well. God, Father, meet this need, meet this need, come to this person, be for them what they need. He's telling us that our Lord is a great need meter, He's a great need meter. In so many ways. And somehow, some way, our prayers, our petitions move him to act and increase his need-meeting activity in people's lives. Don't ask me to explain that. I can't. I just know that it's true. And it tells me that we have a great privilege. A great privilege in prayer. But there's more insight here. The second truth that this parable reveals is that There is a certain kind of asking that God is especially inclined to answer. This is where you want to tune in, okay? We all know that prayer is asking, but there is a kind of asking that the Father especially is inclined to answer. I think this is rich. I think it's why Jesus crafted this story the way that he did. Let's ask, what kind of asking moves God to respond? First, asking that is based on relationship. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. There was a quality, think of the story now, there was a quality of relationship that this fella assumed that he had with his neighbor because he calls him what? Friend. I think without that basis, he never would have risked it. You wouldn't do this with a, with a stranger, would you? <laughs> would you go up to a the porch of a stranger and beat on their door at midnight and start yelling at them on the second floor that you needed something? No, you wouldn't do that with a stranger. But there was some history here. They were neighbors. They were friends. Sure, it might have been annoying, but it was not presumptuous on his part. How many of you have ever gone to a neighbor's house and asked for a cup of something? I have. My wife sent me over once. May I please have a cup of sugar? What I'm saying is that there was some basis for him asking the way that he did. We're neighbors, we're friends. I've mowed his lawn, he's mowed my lawn. But remember, Jesus is teaching about prayer here and he's saying there's a quality of relationship that makes it not presumptuous for you to go to God and ask him for things. And he's already defined the relationship that we as his people have with God, and it's something beyond just being friends, right? I mean, we are friends of God, Jesus said, but there's something beyond that. He is our Father. He just, he just said it in the Lord's Prayer, our Father. Now that changes everything. That changes everything because we know that our Father is someone who loves us, who adopted us into his family through the sacrifice of his son our father is someone whom we can trust that's huge here we can trust to have our best in mind we have a history with him that's why some of us keep journals to track our history with our relationship with God and so everything Jesus is teaching about Prayer here, petitioning prayer, is based on this. The person to whom we are making our request is our eternal father. We are family. We're not going to our landlord. We're not going to our boss. We're not even just going to our friend. We're going to our dad. That's the basis for everything he's saying here. It's our dad. He loves us. He can be trusted to give us what is best or withhold from us what is not best. That truth undergirds everything. It's the basis for us even going to him. This is awesome, is it not? Based on relationship. That's the kind of asking that our father is inclined to answer when we come to him and say, Daddy, Abba, Father, I'm your son, I'm your daughter, I'm coming to you in prayer. Next, notice the guy who made the the ask Second was brimming with confidence. Friend, lend me three loaves. Tells us something. Tells us that he was confident that his neighbor friend had bread in the house. Tells us that he was confident that his friend would likely give him some bread if he asked. There's confidence here. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that God has the bread? (laughs) Do you really believe down deep in your bones that God has what your friend needs, what your son or daughter needs, what you need? Do you believe that he not only can, but wants to answer your prayers because he's your dad? Are you praying with faith and confidence? That's the kind of praying that moves our father to act to meet needs, brimming with confidence. Third, note that his request, or in his request, he was being specific. He was being specific, lend me, what do he say? Three loaves. He did not go next door and say, bless me please. He did not say, can I have some food? Do you have any bread? His petition was very specific. Lend me three loaves. You know what? Specific requests can receive specific answers. If you're not seeing any answers to prayer in your life, it could be because you're not asking for anything really specifically. I guess it's okay to pray that God would generally bless someone. I've prayed that way. But that's kind of a vague, general prayer, isn't it? I mean, how can you tell if it's been answered? Well, they are still alive, so I guess God answered my prayer. He blessed them with life. That's true. But maybe there's a specific way that God wants to bless them. If you would listen to God first, you could pray in a more specific way for what they need. I wrote down this, specific asks get specific answers number of years ago, I thought about this. We had some transition. We went through a season of transition on our leadership team here at this church. And uh, Darcy remembers this. I remember it hit me. This was like 12, 13 years ago. It hit me one day that we had six open positions here that needed to be filled fairly quickly. And it was my job to fill them. To get the right people in the right roles so that ministry could continue unhindered And uh, I had been taught this principle about being specific in my prayers. So I began to go to my Father in heaven and ask him very specifically God, Father in heaven, I need six people. I need the right people with the right qualifications. And I had an idea of what those should be to fulfill these six roles. And I need, when I ask them, for them to say yes. And I started to pray. And I prayed and I asked him before I asked anybody else. And I was looking back through one of my journals the other day, and I saw, and God reminded me that within two months, God had specifically answered my prayer by clearly showing me who he had in mind for each of those positions. And when I asked each of them, all of them said yes. There's a specific request And I got a specific answer, and I wrote it in my journal so that it would remind me, Steve, when you're asking God for things, ask for specific things. Three loaves, six people. And you know what? What happened is my faith was increased. Okay, I can ask you for things. The asking that our Father loves to answer is based on relationship, it's brimming with confidence, it's being specific in our requests. And then number four, just like in the story, it's bent on blessing others. Bent on blessing others. Hey neighbor, a friend of mine has just arrived, he's on a long journey and he showed up and I don't have anything for him to eat. Lend me three loaves so that I can feed my unannounced house guest. It was bent on blessing others. You see what, see what I'm saying here? Now, don't get me wrong. It's not wrong to pray for yourself. It's okay. You need prayer. I need prayer. And we're going to explore how to pray biblical prayers for ourselves in a couple of weeks. But the prayer of mine that God loves to answer doesn't have me as the end game. It doesn't have my comfort or my convenience as the end goal. No, it it goes through me to bless other people. Do you see that from this story? So this is asking on behalf of others. Other people who don't yet have what they really need from God. That's kind of the point of the story, isn't it? You see, selfish praying. Anybody ever prayed selfish prayers? Yeah. Selfish, fleshly praying doesn't really stir up the the prayer-answering instincts of our Father. Again, that's what James, his brother, was trying to get across when he wrote, when you do ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. But the prayers our Father loves to answer are those that are aimed at seeing others receive what they need from God that they'll end up seeing him more clearly and knowing him better and praising him with a fuller heart we see this over and over again in the prayers of the bible especially the prayers of the apostle paul check them out they were all for the benefit of others god loves to answer our petitions that are bent on blessing other people do you see this one more kind of prayer that god loves to answer is the prayer that is boldly and shamelessly persistent boldly and shamelessly persistent it says because of his impudence he will rise we're back to the story again you know so this guy's in bed it's midnight honey is that someone knocking at the door yeah uh, it's jack it's the neighbor what's he want he's yelling he wants he's asking for three loaves of bread well it says even though he won't rise and give him because he's his friend because of his impudence he'll get up and give him whatever he needs that word translated impudence is an interesting word it has two meanings shameless and persistent pounding on your neighbor's door at midnight to wake him up because you need something from him is a pretty shameless act wouldn't you agree and continuing to pound away until he finally gets up and comes to the door and says, here's your three loaves. (laughs) That is shameless persistence. Could it be that Jesus was teaching that God wants his children to call out to him in this way? I believe so. I don't think Jesus was saying, don't be like that guy. I think he was saying, do be like that guy. But realize this, the one you're petitioning is not your sleeping neighbor friend who's annoyed that you're bothering him at such a late hour. No, no, no. You're coming to your never slumbering, always awake, ready to respond, loving Heavenly Father who is family to you. See the difference? He's not annoyed in the least. He loves seeing your passion. He loves seeing your persistence in asking him for good gifts so that others can be blessed. I think this is the twist in the story. It's meant to be both a comparison and a contrast. God is like the neighbor friend in that we can go to him and ask him to meet people's needs any time of the day or night, but he is not like that guy because our father He is more inclined to act in response to our persistent requests than that irritated neighbor was. See this? Be reminded of the boldness that our Father wants to see in us when we come asking. Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What a great encouragement for us today great encouragement we all have prayer burdens that have been deposited into our hearts by the holy spirit and he's calling us to boldly shamelessly frequently come to our father and ask him to give us the good gifts that will ultimately bless and benefit others so that his name will be hallowed by them too and then jesus followed up this story this parable with a promise The promise of prayer, verse 9, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? (laughs) Thanks, Dad. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Yikes. Yikes. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Or in Matthew's version, it says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give good gifts, which includes the Holy Spirit, the best gift to those who ask Him? Now, I know you because I know me. And some of you hear that and I know where some of your minds are going, because my mind has gone there. Ask and it shall be given, seek and you find. But, but Steve, I have asked, I have, and I haven't received anything. I have knocked and the door remains shut even though I've been knocking on heaven's door for months or years, there's been no answer. What do you say about that? That seems to, my experience seems to contradict what Jesus is saying here. Well, let me, let me say several things to you, if that's you. First, note this, this promise was not given to everybody. It was given to who? To his disciples. Remember, they were the ones, Jesus, teach us to pray. This promise was given to Jesus' committed followers who had asked him to teach them about prayer. It was not a blank check for everyone on the planet to try and cash. It was for the devoted children of the Father who've been adopted into his family and who now seek to follow him every day as their Lord. It was meant, this prayer promise was meant for disciples. Second, it contains a condition. You might know this. In the original language, this is present active tense. It's not just ask and it shall be given, but it's keep on asking. That's how it should be translated. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. For everyone who keeps on asking will receive. Do you see this? Listen, listen to me. I wrote this out because I want to say it right to you. For reasons known only to him, your father may want you to ask him for something a hundred times or a thousand times before he grants your desire. Why? He may want to purify your motives in the process, bringing your heart into greater alignment with his heart. He might be working to change some aspect of your request to fit more with his will. He might want you to release the timetable to him as an act of submission, not my will but yours be done, so that you can rejoice that God does things his way and in his time. He might want to try to pry your hands off of the situation so that you'll see that this needs to be a work of God. And not a joint effort between you and God where you get some of the credit and he gets some of the credit. He might be working. Do you understand what I'm saying? To pry your hands off of this. Because you're praying about it, yeah, but you're also trying to make it happen. Or as in Daniel chapter 9, the answer may have been given and dispatched to you, but it's being held up by demonic interference. You ought to read about that. We'll talk about it. Spiritual battles must be won in the unseen world before you're going to get the answer that may be the case, happened with Daniel. And we don't always understand all these things and and, and what's going on behind the curtain, right? We don't always understand all that, but our job is to just keep asking, to push, as I said earlier, pray until something happens, to keep pushing, keep seeking, keep knocking on heaven's door, Daddy, Daddy, it's me again. Don't forget the story I told you a few weeks ago about George Mueller praying for eight friends to come to know Jesus Christ and persisting in that prayer for 63 years. That's right, I said 63 years until all of them finally bowed their knee to Jesus. In my own life, just in the past two weeks, I'm seeing movement in answer to a prayer I've been praying for 12 years and it's blowing my mind. I am so glad that I didn't give up praying somewhere along the line when I was inclined to, honestly, because like I'm not seeing anything. Nothing's happening here. But somehow the Spirit said, you walk by faith, not by sight. Keep praying. keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Maybe God is answering your prayer that you've been praying, but not in the way, he's not answering yes. You realize that technically God answers every prayer. Yes, no, or not yet, wait. I did a whole sermon on reasons why God might say no to a prayer request. And I'm going to put the link on our website this next week. I, I encourage you to listen to it. Why God might say no, which is an answer. It's just not the answer we wanted. The Bible does give us some clues. Could be that the one praying is holding on to some secret sin. Psalm sixty six eighteen: 18, if I cherish iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There are reasons. Could be that this person is dishonoring their spouse, and as a result, the Lord has chosen not to hear their prayers, 1 Peter 3, 7. It may be that what they're asking for might actually turn out to be harmful to them like a scorpion. They don't realize it, but God is a good father. He's a good, good father. And he's saying, nah, nah, no, I'm not giving you a 12-gauge shotgun. Nope, don't think that would be a good idea. If your seven-year-old asks for one of those. Oh, but it would be a good thing that a good father would give. And, and Billy, the neighbor kid, got one from his folks. You might shoot your eye out, right? The Lord may actually be saying, no, I'm not gonna answer that with yes because I actually, I have a higher purpose I'm looking to accomplish here. I have something better for you than what you're asking for. Like in the case of Paul who asked God, please take away this thorn in the flesh that I have. And God said, no, I've got some higher things I'm accomplishing by letting that remain with you. Or think about Jesus himself in the garden who said, take this cup from me. That was his petition can there be another way to achieve salvation for mankind? And the father said, no, no. I've got a higher purpose that I want to accomplish through your suffering, son. And thankfully, he said, not my will then, but thine be done. So often God is saying, trust me. You know, what's more revealing than than when God says yes to your prayer is when God says no to your prayer. That's more revealing about where you are with God because the question is, do you trust him? Do you trust him that he knows best, that father knows best? There are good reasons that a good father might say no to a request that you've been making. But again, I say if you really, sometimes we don't know if it's no or not yet, right? We just know it's not happening. And so I say, if you really believe down deep in your heart that what you desire would be a good thing for you to have and would bring God glory and would bless other people, then I say, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, pray until something happens, especially if you're praying for someone's salvation or someone to return to the Lord who's wandered away from him. I mean, the Lord wants that. Don't stop, keep praying. Just say, Father, it's me again me again your son your daughter i'm here again i'm asking you for this why would you not grant me this request gracious father it's a good thing do it for your great name's sake. give me yet another reason to brag about you to other people yeah i was praying about this thing and god did it It didn't look like it was going to happen seemed impossible looked like a big mountain god moved it Give me yet another reason to praise you to others, God. Grant me the desire of my heart because I believe you put it there in the first place. I believe it's the desire of your heart, too. Great prayer warrior George Mueller wrote this. Many and great may be the difficulties. Thousands and tens of thousands of prayers may have to ascend before the full answer is obtained Much exercise of faith and persistence may be required, but in the end, it will again be seen that his servant who trusted in him has not been confounded. God will hear and God will answer. Amen.